So welcome to, welcome back to the Nitro Performance Guy uh, 2022. Uh, started not too long ago. Um, so, new year, new meet. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I had to do it. Um, so, lots of big news happened over the uh, the winter break. We might have to do just an episode just for that. It was probably one of the craziest off-seasons there's been in a while. Um, but today, we're not going to talk about any of that. We're going to talk about tires. We're going to talk about those giant Goodyear tires on the back of top fuel cars and nitro funny cars. These vehicles are responsible and capable of propelling these vehicles almost 340 miles an hour. Um, and I did include the current national records as of today, as of right now, what the national records are. In top fuel, we got 3.623 at 331.61 miles per hour. That was one run. That was the same run um, in Reading. That is the top fuel national record set by Brittany Force at Maple Grove Raceway. Um, and we'll stay on the the elapsed time front here. Nitro Funny Car national record, 3.793 at 338 miles an hour. He did that next to Matt Hagen, who ran 3.807 at 336. And, man, I'll tell you what, Robert daylighted him. <laughs> And that's not a bad run in the other lane, but man, the, the laid back header era. We'll have to do a a special episode about looking back at the the good old days. No, it, it, they were they were struggling driving those things at that time, but the speeds were unreal. Um, the national speed record for top fuel is three hundred thirty-eight point one seven uh, miles per hour, set in Las Vegas by Brittany Force. Um, she ran a 3.659 on that run. And Robert Height, the speed record for him is 339.87 miles per hour. That was in Sonoma. He ran a 3.807 uh, on that run. And I do remember he was actually asking after the run, did I miss the 70s? <laughs> after he almost went 340 miles per hour. He asked if he missed the seventies. Well, he would get it a little long, uh, a little, little bit more time. He would get it. So we're talking about the tires, and I bring those those times and speeds up for for a reason because it's all because of these tires. Like we talk about the engines, and we talk about the the nitromethane, and that's all valid. That's all valid. See, here's the thing about a nitro car. It is, and and me being a musician, I really love it. Because for a nitro car to do that, the numbers that we just talked about, a lot of things have to go right. And there are so many systems and, and technology that is that is working together. Uh, you know, you got the, the, the clutch pack and, and the, the fuel delivery and the idle and making sure the RPM is right and making sure the boost is right. You know, it, there's so much that has to go right. For the for these cars to for these for these cars to run that to run like that, you know, I don't know where my southern is coming from this morning, but I wanted to put a, a spotlight on these giant tires because unless you've seen one in person, 
unless you've seen one of these tires in person, it's really hard to see from television or YouTube or however you watch your drag racing, how just how massive these tires are. Uh, so I wanted to do a entire podcast dedicated to the tires. Um, you can see them easier on a top fuel car because it's open wheelbase. On a nitro funny car, it's up under that carbon fiber body. So, but same things are still going on. So as we go through the uh, the information, uh, you might hear me say top fuel tires or, or top fuel this or top fuel that. Any time, anything I'm referring to in this podcast in regards to the tires also applies to the nitro funny car class. Okay, it's the same tires, same technology. Um, so just wanted to put that out there. So top fuel and funny cars are giant mechanical computers. 11,000 plus horsepower, closer to 12,000 horsepower these days. Just want to make sure we do a little bit of a review here. Uh, bias ply are the tires. They uh, Layers of threads running diagonally clockwise to each other, almost double the size of a production performance tire. So these tires are fabric, essentially. They're, they are woven uh, to, to, for strength. Obviously, a, just a regular tire wouldn't be able to handle that kind of speed. So they have to really make sure the tires are safe. Because here's another thing about these tires. They are a big reason why, you know, we, we've had some catastrophic situations in the sport. But there's been some recent ones that have happened that the tires actually saved the driver. Uh, there was a situation in St. Louis in 2004. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Uh, and Daryl Russell, we lost Daryl Russell at Gateway. Well, at then it was Gateway. Um, in the right, in the left lane, you know, uh, because a tire or a piece of shrapnel hit the tire, took out the wing, sent them into the wall. Um, it was quite traumatizing as a child to see, oh, hey, people do die from this, you know. Uh, I wasn't into drag racing at the time that Blaine Johnson, that we lost him. Um, but it's real. It, it, it's everybody focuses on the speed and, and, and the performance. And, yeah, that's all great. But I always tell people when I'm introducing them to this sport and these cars as impressive as they are and as loud as they are and as, as you know, bombastic as they are, the important thing is to get the car stopped and for the driver to get out of it under their own power. That is always the goal, is to stop the car, to stop it. The car is going to do what it's going to do when you hit the gas. We're going to talk about that, what the tires specifically do. But it's going to do what it's designed to do. So going fast and going 300, you know, that's what the car is supposed to do. But it's also supposed to stop, you know, and that's why they have those giant air brakes or, or parachutes, the giant parachutes. They're huge. I want to do a whole podcast about the parachutes because they're cool. They're they are huge. <laughs> they are huge. So um, I, I just wanted to say that the tires have been responsible for uh, saving some lives, you know. They're huge. They are huge tires. Uh, so they're they're called ripple wall slicks. They are slicks. They do not have treads. 
Um, 36 inches tall. So that's more than three feet tall and 17 and a half inches wide. And that's just when they're, you know, rolling around. These tires do different things as different forces act upon them. We're going to talk about that too. Um, But just as they're rolling around on the tire, on the car, as it's not running, it's a 36 inch tall tire and 17 inches wide. Yeah. Wow. The tire weighs 48 pounds. (laughs) As big as they are, they only weigh 48 pounds. They only weigh 48 pounds. The rollout is about 115 inches. Uh, the circumference of the tire is about 115 inches. But this may vary. They have they run different uh, tire sizes depending on the conditions. Um, the tire costs $917 per tire. Per tire. They run at a very, very low PSI. So... You fill up your car, your, your 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 car tire, the car that you you know you drive every day. You want to be about thirty five, you know, forty around that area. How about these tires are only inflated to? It's regulated by rule. They cannot be less than six pounds, six psi, six, six. <laughs> uh, and and we'll talk about what you know that does. Um, but some of the teams back in the day, they were running such a low PSI that they tried to step in and say, okay, hey, all right, this is what it cannot go under. Because when you when you don't put enough air in it, it can kind of compromise the way the tire is set up to run. So it has to be at least six pounds. And I, I'm going to check on that. I'm going to check on that uh, in my rule book that I have just to make sure we're doing doing information correctly. And we'll make sure we're giving you the right information. Um so the tires squat and plant a giant footprint on the starting line when they hit the gas, uh, when the light comes down. Um, the sport is based on traction. It is a sport that is all about traction. Um, and, I mean, if you're pulling four to five Gs of positive acceleration, you need to have those tires hooked up, right? That's how you're going to apply that you know, 11,000 plus horsepower to the racetrack, you know, as we said last season, you know, they don't always, they don't, not always, they cannot apply that much power at the, you know, at the step and consistently that there is a system set up in place that, you know, regulates how the power is being applied to the ground via these giant tires. All right, so this is from Bruno Massel, um, three-time comp eliminator champion Bruno Massel, uh, did a, a story for NHRA, NHRA 101. So this is what he said in this one. Uh, the tires are fighting two massive forces. One, the force of the downforce from the wing, flattening the bottom of the tire uh, and keeping it hooked up to the racetrack basically forcing the car into the ground. Uh, again, funny cars also have giant wings on the back of them. They don't look exactly like the top fuel wings, but they do have wings on the back that help with this downforce. Uh, as well as the centrifugal force of going 300 miles per hour, the tire will start to transform. It'll grow, as we call it. Uh, and the tire 
will square off at the end of the racetrack. We're going to talk more about that and why that happens. Uh, the tire will grow up to seven inches taller at the finish line. When the centrifugal force of the wheel speed going 300 miles per hour starts to enact, the tire will get really skinny. It'll get the contact patch of the tra- uh, of the tire will get smaller. So, and the height of the tire will get taller. And we're going to talk more about that. Uh, so, that's just a couple really, really good. Um, starters so these tires have to be quite resilient to go against six to eight thousand pounds of downforce uh and they do some crazy things as they go down the racetrack uh it's kind of hard to see in real time but when you look on a replay or you take a picture at a specific moment uh you go wow it's supposed to do that yes it is it is supposed to do that all right So, increasing the size of the massive tire's contact patch, providing a better launch. The crinkling reduces the instantaneous torque off the line, applying the driving force more gradually. Reducing wheel spin. Applying more force gently improves traction. So, that's what I was saying. You can't just throw 11,000 to the ground, you know, you have to responsibly apply that or the, the you're not going to be able to get down the racetrack. It's going to lose traction. The tire is going to, the car will literally sit up because there's not enough downforce. The car isn't moving fast enough for the wheel speed to be moving at that rate at that point in the run. Um, and so that's a real big reason. One of the reasons why they take the timing out. Uh, so you'll hear them when they go full song, they'll hit the gas the RPM will jump up to 8,500. About a second or so out on the race course, you'll hear an audible dip in the engine's sound. Uh, the flames will still be shooting. Uh, you know, it won't be like, you know, but some some with a keen ear will be able to hear it. They take the timing out. They retard the timing in the engine so the tire one can make the right shape and start to grow a little bit. Uh, it reduces its rolling resistance there. Uh, the car is starting to accelerate. Uh, the wheel speed is starting to get to where it needs to be for them to really put the, you know, when the clutch stages, that's because that's how they apply the power with the clutch stages. Um, they take the timing out to make sure all of this is happening the way they want it to happen. Um then they'll start to add that timing back in, and the car will approach 8,400 near the finish line. But the tire by that point is like, again, it's like 44 inches tall, and the contact patch is about maybe, it's maybe 11 inches down there. Starting at 17 inches, 17 and a half inches, to down to around 11 or 10 inches at the finish line, just because of the centrifugal force of a of the wheel speed and and it's it, these tires are so cool. I'm getting excited. <laughs> I'm getting excited. I'm sorry. I love the tires. Okay. So, at the finish line, how about this? When the tire is growing, it's actually acting as a gear ratio. And we're going to talk more about that cuz I have it all here in my notes. I have so many notes. 
Uh, but I have to do my research for these things. I have to bring you guys the information accurately. I have to bring it to you. That that's you got to use your platform and and spread truth. You know, uh, so I have to do my research and make sure I have the right information. But talking about the drive ratio, the squat also reduces drive ratio of the car as the gear ratio is reduced by twenty percent. Um, so. On from that here. How the tires stretch under the centrifugal force at high speed is called ballooning and the opposite of the squat. The tire stretches out at higher RPMs due to that centrifugal force. Increases this increases the drive ratio of the car and leads to a better top end performance. Between the squat and the ballooning growing, top view and funny car, tires go through a lot of during a run, but I cannot stress this enough. They're designed to do this. Um, and just talking about what the, the single, this is a single drive gear here. That's all it, that's all there is. There's no gears. There's only high gear. Uh, so it would be kind of like, you know, taking to your, your sports car to the line, um, and then putting it all the way into its highest gear and and trying to leave the line. Um, you wouldn't have enough torque to do that. Uh, now, top few and funny cars have more than enough torque to get off the line at high gear. Uh, but that is essentially what's happening here. Uh, the power is being, because uh, when you're in high gear, all of the power is available to you. Uh, but again, obviously, we have, to con- we have to control the way we apply the power to the racetrack. So we have to use the centrifugal clutch that is activated by levers, 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 however you say it, um, at specific points in the run. It doesn't, some people say it doesn't completely lock up, uh, but the information that I had, you know, have gone to accept is that it does lock up after half track and you're putting the coals to it. A lot of the teams don't run the cars the same way. So maybe a team won't fully lock up the clutch and maybe another team has to fully lock up the clutch. Everybody has a different kind of setup with these cars, Uh, but there's only high gear only high gear and um you'll hear sometimes the the uh the crew chiefs or you know analysts or previous drivers will call getting up on the tire that's what they're talking about uh with the growth it decreases the rolling resistance by reducing the contact patch this is a huge this has a huge effect with the massive size and soft sticky compound of the tire uh, softer than the softest F1 tire, more grip and more heat quicker. So you, the, when, when it's soft, you can retain that heat and slicks literally need to be hot to work. That's what the burnout is for. You, you're heating the tires. A lot of people say, oh, you're clean. They're cleaning the tire. Yeah, they are, but they're heating the tires because the hotter your slick is, the more grip you're going to get. Okay, tires attain grip through adhesion, force needed to overcome the interaction between the tire and the pavement. Due to the large amount of torque produced, the tires are clamped to the NHRA-approved beadlock wheel. Uh, So there's a couple different brands out there. A lot of teams use Weld, uh, but it's a 16-inch beadlock wheel, and that's just because of how the tire, there's so much force enacted when the driver hits the throttle, the tire will literally, if it's not bead locked, 
to a wheel, the tire would literally spin off of the axle. <laughs> That's just how much power is being applied there. Um, so in the beginning of the run, the majority of the downforce comes from the exhaust. Um, because of the backward upward facing exhaust, this shoots the car down and forward. This is why you see a car go out and jump off the line early uh, on the run because there's not enough downforce to keep the Goodyears hooked up. So the t- car will literally hop off the ground. Basically, what that means is a lot of the um, downforce initially in the run is coming from the exhaust. But there's not enough downforce coming from the exhaust to keep the tires hooked up as it goes through what we call the shake zone. And that's why they retard that engine timing to get through the shake zone. Each track has a different setup, so they might retard the engine uh, differently depending on the conditions, depending on the racetrack, depending on the tune-up. Um, but what I, I kind of alluded to that a couple times last year, um, you know, when you see a car hit the gas and go right up into smoke, you'll see the tires get very, very, very skinny and very, very tall. It's basically running at 300 miles an hour at the starting line, right? And there's not enough downforce coming out of the pipes to keep that hooked up because at that point in the run, the wing is not really producing downforce. It doesn't really start to produce that 6,000, 8,000, 7,000 downforce until it's accelerated and got to speed and the tires have grown to a specific spot on the racetrack, that's when it'll start to produce the the right amount of downforce. The, the pipes are still active and creating their own downforce, but now they have the enlisted the help of that wing and that helps to keep the tires hooked up by flattening the bottom of the tire as it rolls Um So I wanted to talk about what final drive ratio is, just in case we don't know. Um, So final drive ratio refers to the set of gears that connect a vehicle's engine to the driving axle. The ratio is the number used to represent how many times the transmission needs to rotate the drive shaft in order to rotate um, the tires one time. So that's what a drive ratio is, just in case. We didn't all know that. I want to, I like to always include little nuggets in there. Okay. As the speed increases, the downforce increases as well. Three and a half times the beginning of the run at top speed. Front wing, the front wing counteracts the torque from the rear wheels at the step. Um, okay. The need for downforce, you need downforce in drag racing. Okay. But you also have to counteract the drag that it produces. Uh, This is a balancing act because you need drag and you also need downforce. So uh, this can be changed depending on the conditions on the racetrack. Okay, so this is an automated application of power, like we said, with the clutch. Uh, There is no gears. Again, there's only a reverser. So you'll see the driver do a a burnout and then they were... They will engage the reverser and come back to the starting line. They will disengage the reverser and pull into the line. Uh, There is no shifting. Um, Fun fact, at one time there was. 
So that's crazy <laughs> to think. Uh, but there, I mean, there are some really high power cars that uh, do shift. Uh, the alcohol cars, for for instance, um, consider it the nitro minor leagues. Essentially, not taking anything away from those guys because and girls because those those are some bad hot rides as well. Uh, but two two hundred and seventy two hundred eighty miles per hour, um, and th- those are no slouches, <laughs> no slouch. They're they're very slou- stout into you know cars. But my point is they they shift, they shift. So it's crazy. They're even talking about uh, adding injected nitro funny cars, injected nitro alcohol funny cars, because they do allow that to be run in the in the alcohol classes of you can inject the nitro, but there's some engine modifications that you have to make. Uh, otherwise, you just need to run top fuel. <laughs> so um, back to the information. Um Small changes in the atmosphere can change the grip. The grip. What is that, y'all? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> changes in the atmosphere can change the grip dramatically. Can change it dramatically. Humidity and track temperature have a huge effect on the traction. Um, if the grip is less, the program will activate the clutch more slowly. If the track is grippier or has a little bit more grip or the track is tight, uh, the teams can be a little bit more aggressive in the clutch application, uh, basically applying more power faster. Um, so big thank you to driver 61 on YouTube for the video. Uh, he, he came from an F1 perspective. So it was very nice to hear someone else speak about the sport and really give some really good information about these amazing tires. Uh, so we have covered a lot um, and it was kind of all over the place, but y'all know by now. I'm all over the place. This is really organized. So, and I'm an organized person, but I'm still all over the place even when I'm organized. So just to recap, we talked about the squat. We've talked about uh, the growth and we've talked about the ending of the run, but now we're going to go more in depth and I'm, we're really going to talk about those specific parts. So this really isn't a review. This is kind of more of an elaboration, so to speak. The squat, the massive torque channeled through the rear axle shifts the load of the car rearward and the tires to twist on its 16 inch bead lock rim. Generally run, the tires are generally run between 6 and 10 PSI by rule. Uh, the, The less PSI you have in there, the more the tire will squat. So they really had to regulate that because there was not enough air in the tire and the Again, that compromises the tire safety. Um, The tread effectively balls up at the front of the contact patch and it basically runs over itself. It's it's really special to see it. Uh, Actually, no, that's not right. When it runs over itself, that's called shaking the tires, (laughs) not smoking the tires, but shaking the tire. That's there's a different thing there. We can talk a little bit about that in just a second. Uh, The compression of the tire expands the contact patch to almost 250 square inches, larger than two side, uh, two side by side, eight by five by 11 inch pieces of paper. So that's a pretty detailed description of that. Uh, The compression of the tire also means that the final drive ratio is effectively shortened for a harder launch. 
By the time the tire is released, the torque is stored in the wrinkled sidewalls and the tread has grown back to its original size. The tire is already pulling more than four G's of acceleration. This is when we get to the next part where they're retarding the engine's power uh, via timing. Uh, the growth. After the car launches, inertia grows the tire from 36 to 44 inches in diameter, simultaneously lengthening and narrowing the concert. The concert. So sorry. The <laughs> contact patch. The ballooning is what they technically call it can be up to seven inches, five to seven inches at speed. This allows the final drive ratio uh, to grow taller for higher speeds and reduces rolling resistance as the vehicle hits terminal velocity. The squaring of the tire under the pressure of the rear wing, both top fuel and funny car have these wings. The engine, the, the, tire i really wish i could just like show you a picture right now <laughs> but it's like the, the tire literally starts to square off because it's literally locked down under that downforce of that rear wing but it's also still growing and it's like rippling as well i have to put this on my instagram page so you guys can see it um but let me see uh where was i at okay we are just able to see the tires on the open top fuel car however the same phenomenon is happening under the carbon fire body carbon fiber <laughs> ha! the carbon fiber you know we have fun here we make we make mistakes but it's beautiful the carbon fiber body of the nitro funny car so the same things are happening under that body and then I started to think, okay, so I know how tall the top fuel tires can grow on a run. Now, also let's factor in most of the time funny cars have the have the edge up on their cousins, top fuel cars on speed. Draxers will always out accelerate a funny car just because of the long wheelbase. Uh it's lighter. Um there's a couple different you know, other reasons why as well. It's it's just lighter. The shorter wheelbase of the funny car, uh, it's heavier. It's a heavier package. Um, but the funny cars have clean air going right into the engine uh, via that, that scoop a lot of the bodies have now. It's going right into the engine. That's a lot of clean air going in there. Uh, and that helps the car accelerate to a higher speed uh, more efficiently. With the dragster, you have a lot of dirty air. Uh, so I'm going to actually look at my. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. But anyway, so. <laughs> so the wing, there's that the, the air that is coming into the engine on a top fuel car has to go over the wing, has to go up that that body, that very, very long body above the driver. If they have a. a, a um a canopy has to go over that canopy. If it doesn't have a canopy, it has to just still go over the driver before it finally reaches the engine. The air basically has a shorter distance to travel when it concerns a funny car. And that's a lot of times why the, the speed will be bigger on a funny car uh, than on a top fuel car. But like I said, a, a funny car is never going to out accelerate a top fuel car. That's just not going to happen. Um, that being said, they are still the fastest accelerating vehicles on the planet. Uh, top fuel being top fuel dragster being the top, the tippity top of acceleration in the world, uh, followed by funny car. Uh, there's nothing that can out accelerate these vehicles. Um, 
they might have bigger speed. They might be able to reach bigger speeds. Uh, but how quickly can they get to those speeds? You know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like these guys can get to 300 and guys and girls can get to 300 in less than three seconds. I, I don't know how you – that is unconce- inconceivable, unconceivable, inconceivable. It's crazy. It's crazy. And just to watch it in person as it's happening, it's even wilder, especially when you're sitting down track and you can really see them putting the coals to it. Now, the starting line is great because there's nothing like a starting line experience. When they hit that gas and both both cars are singing at 8,500, uh, the center of the track is good because, you know, they, they pass you and you get to feel that 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 power. But down track, you really get to see how quickly they're moving. Uh, like last year when I sat down there, when Brittany Force passed me at 337, I I mean, she passed me quickly. <laughs> like It's quite hard to shoot down there. Um, shoot as in photography. Um, but yeah, they, they, they are really putting the coals to it down there, but the tires are existing. Ex- uh, uh, the tires are assisting them, you know, apply the power. And that's why they are so impressive because of these tires. I mean, there is no other tire that could accelerate these vehicles the way they do. Um, so in the end of the run, as the car finishes its run, the engine shuts off and the engine's compression actually assists in slowing the car. The big parachutes do most of the work in the braking. Uh, the tires distort again under deceleration, sometimes developing flat spots at their trailing edges. So a few years ago, before they changed the um, the track prep, you would, uh, my buddies, my boys, J.R. Todd and Sean Langdon had a podcast, The Nomex Effect. Uh, it's actually where I got the confidence to do this. Talk about my sport. I love it. Uh, but anyway, they were talking about how when they spray the track more, it would it would ruin, not ruining the tires, but it was kind of like essentially ruining the tires, uh, shortening the lifespan of the tires. Um, because when there's more pra- track prep, you have to, give it you have to give it to the racetrack um and it was ripping some of the rubber off of the tire so they changed the uh the track prep a little bit and that that kind of they also did that to kind of tame the speeds because as impressive as 339 is uh again the prime objective of the nhra is safety and and that's that's something i have always loved about this sport of course the show is like the greatest show on earth but the fact that they put so much emphasis on safety because it doesn't matter how fast i just went if the driver doesn't get out of the car right so they have a family they have a life you don't want you don't want to see that these are professional drag racers that put their lives on the line and they know the risk they know it uh but i tell people all the time these cars are safer than probably the car you drove to the racetrack um, just because of some of the crashes that I've seen and the driver gets out and they're just talking about, hey, is the car OK? Uh, are you OK? Yes, I'm fine. <laughs> but it's the car. OK, you know, so it's or they'll get out of the car and they'll go, did I win? <laughs> Dude, the car is like non-existent, but it's just a testament to the safety of this sport. Uh, and these tires are a huge part of that. Um, so. A lot of the slowing after the car is done, This that was a great segue. 
uh, a lot of the slowing is, is done one with the compression in the engine two cutting the engine off and cutting the power off and the giant parachutes. Those three things are not to stop the car. It is to assist in decelerating the car. Okay. Let me be clear on that. People figure, oh, they're those big parachutes. No, they're not to stop the car. It's to slow the car. The carbon fiber, carbon fiber brakes are to stop the car. That is what stops the car. They work better when they're hot. So uh, sometimes it's cool on a night run. Uh, there was a there was a run a couple years ago. It was a night session. Billy Torrance under the lights in St. Louis. Um, St. Louis, as John Forrest calls it. Um, but Billy didn't, he didn't pull the parachutes at the end of the run. And he was going over 320 uh, going through the traps. Uh, but again, that's another big reason why they changed that, that distance from a quarter mile to a thousand foot. Sure, I'd like to hear them on the gas another split second, but it's for the safety. And the other thing is, they'd be moving too fast. If they move them right now, the way they are right now, back to a, a quarter mile, they'd be going way too fast. And so then you would have to take some performance out, which they will get around as they often do. Anytime there's a rule change, the performance will suffer for a little while, but then the crew chiefs will be able to get around whatever that, that, that stipulation is. uh, And they'll be able to go fast again, but you wouldn't see 330, for a while if they were to move back to you know a, a quarter mile they would have to take out nitro percentage they you know there would be a lot of things that would have to happen to slow the vehicles down uh because they would just be going too fast but anyway i i digress my point in bringing that up is billy clicked it at the thousand foot mark he had another 320 feet to roll or to assist in slowing down but he was still probably moving at a good rate of speed going through the quarter mile traps um they don't record that for nature uh for the nitro cars anymore because since they only go to a thousand uh feet but i would like to see how fast they're moving at the at the quarter mile strike just just for research purposes i'm a nerd <laughs> anyway um basically he didn't pull the shoots so it was up to the carbon fiber brakes to not only slow the car down but stop the car and he was successfully able to do that our shutdown area is pretty uh, not small it's pretty long um so he had more than enough distance to do that uh but the the carbon fiber brakes were glowing like they were literally glowing orange uh, because they were so hot uh, but they work better when they're hot. So the more you apply it, uh, the more it works. So he was able to get that car stopped. So the bottom line, uh, only top fuel dragsters and nitro funny cars have the massive torque to effectively use and abuse such r- huge rear tires this way. Um the there are some other giant slicks in the in the sport, uh, but they are not rated at 300 miles an hour. Uh, these are, those are the pros. So they they have to have the latest, the greatest, the safest stuff because of the speeds that they're running at. Um, there's a uh, you, you can run Goodyear Eagle. You can run whatever you want on your application uh, in the sportsman ranks. Um, but they're not rated at 300 miles an hour. It's not, 
the tire is set up for the type of car, for the type of power that you make. Uh, so it wouldn't make sense to be a top alcohol guy and you put a top fuel tire on there. You're not going to be able to effectively use it. It might actually hinder your performance. So um, that might be something to look into. Uh, so uh, this is a glorious and necessary job to accelerate and harness all of the power that is produced by that massive Hemi V8. Um, so the tires only have a lifespan of about two miles. So about eight runs. And then they, uh, some of them get a, a happy retirement and some of them become draggers on the, uh, the big tractors that they pull up and down the racetrack in between pro sessions. Um, those tires that are on the, the dragger or that tractor used to go down the racetrack at 300. <laughs> it's just when they, when they retire those cars or when they retire the tire, they, you know, donate them to the NHRA and they are able to use them for, for the draggers. Uh, they apply a very uh, thin layer of, of rubber uh, and any, again, the sport is based on traction. So any help we can get with that, we'll take it. Uh, so let me make sure. Uh, and it says here, retirement is a slower life after all. Uh, so, yeah, they, they go they move a lot slower uh, when they are retired. They're pulled up and down the racetrack between processes. The cute coat the surface with a layer of rubber to improve the grip. Um, so they actually have ratings of traction like in in numerical form uh, you might see um guys descending upon the racetrack before the nitro sessions and they're using this kind it looks like a bread box or it's something and it, this is basically a traction meter and it rates the traction um we're going to get I, I came across a very very cool um video from 1320 video so thank you guys for that and we're actually going to talk about that on another episode but we were talking to they were talking to john forrest racing's track guy and uh, i'm so sorry i don't have his name here uh, i should have included that but he was basically going through some things and telling telling the um the cameraman numbers uh numerical values for traction so essentially at the beginning of the race uh, at the beginning of the drag strip on the starting line, that traction is not as good as it is farther out, farther down the racetrack. Because as he said, the more cars that are launching from this, from this spot, it pulls the rubber up. Because again, think about how much power we're talking about, how much torque we're talking about. And that's, I said this a little bit last season too. I said, you know, that's, that's why sometimes uh, when a car goes out there and hits the throttle, and they go up in the smoke right away, you'll see the crew chiefs descend on that spot on the racetrack and they go, oh my God, okay, let's see what, let's see what's going on because that pulls the rubber up. And so um, they got to check and make sure they are able to still run their car the way they set up to run the car. Cause obviously this sport is very unpredictable. Nobody knows what's going to happen when they go out there Um it's not an ideal situation when the car goes up in the smoke right away, but oftentimes it's mechanical. Something failed. Um, but basically what he was saying is since um, farther down track is where the traction is better. And again, we're going to go over all of this. I'm gonna, We're going to talk about this in more detail, but I had to talk about it on the tire podcast. I mean, because, you know, I had to. So 
Um, with that, we have reached the end of the first episode of the second season of the Nitro Performance Guy. Duh. <laughs> I'm the Nitro Performance Guy, TJ. Uh, but it, it's just been so fun to have this platform and use it to um, grow the sport, you know, do my part to to help educate people and grow the sport. I was talking to my sister and I sent her a, a video that I did on header flames. And she said, who knew it was that it was that much to it. <laughs> there definitely is so much happens in such a small, small, such, so much happens in such a small amount of time. You know, I like to break things down. It's the musician in me. I like to educate. I'm an educator first. So I want to make sure people that are coming into the sport are just not, yeah, yeah, we're attracted to that sound and that speed. But I like for people to know what they're looking at. You get a more rewarding experience when you know what you're looking at. Uh, you know, you go to a football game, you don't if you've never seen football in your life, you're gonna be like, okay, well, this is a cool experience, but I don't know what I'm looking at. So I try to help with that, with my education background, to hey, this is what's happening. You know? Uh I'll always do my research. But I'm not always right, you know. So I, I got some crew chiefs and some some drivers following my Instagram. It's so humbling to be in this position, and, and it's just getting more. It's just it's just growing, and I love it. Uh, as we get closer to the start of the season, uh, we're close. We're close. Um, uh, some uh, some other cool things that have happened. Uh, they have run the Toyota Supra down the racetrack at least once. I've seen it once. I'm not sure who was driving, uh, but uh, it looks good going down the racetrack. <laughs> so uh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Preseason testing is coming up in a few weeks. Uh, so we'll, we'll start to get some, some you know, clarification on what the, what the guys and girls are bringing to the racetrack this year. Uh, we're definitely going to break down testing. Uh, I, I Testing is one of the... I won't say funnest. <laughs> it's exciting because you, you haven't seen the cars all all summer or all summer. Jesus. <laughs> you haven't seen the cars all winter and then you get to see them make passes and you kind of see, OK, let's see what everybody's been working on. You know, we got a lot of individual teams coming out, a lot of single car teams next year. How about Buddy Hull purchasing Tim Wilkerson's top fuel operation like we are in a great place in the sport. Um, the, the the team cars and the team aspect of it is still very much so present. But we're seeing a lot more single car teams. Like Don Schumacher, he's going to have one top fuel car this season. Just one. So it's there's there's... There's benefits to that, and there, but there's also some disadvantages. You don't have enough. You don't have not enough, but you don't have as much information as you would with a team car. Uh, but then you you got Antron Brown and Justin Ashley doing this uh, kind of unofficial team mate kind of thing, research and development partnership. Um, you know, they're starting to show some of the paint schemes, which look really good, by the way. Um, and I saw Toyota on um, Justin Ashley's car. So it it it's mutually beneficial to have partnership, uh, but it's not necessary, and you can certainly be successful on your own. We saw that with uh, J- you know Josh Hart, just to name someone. Um, 
So we're in a great spot at this time in the sport. I'm still looking for that video game. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited about this video game. And I'm just, you know, game meal. I, I believe in you, but you have a very big responsibility. <laughs> like, uh, you know, they have a really cool game, the, the Street Outlaws game. I, I, if you guys have followed the podcast religiously, you know that I've been, you know, kind of captured by the the Street Outlaws and the uh, the No Prep Kings kind of world. You know, it's a different kind of aspect of drag racing, you know, but it, I just think it's crazy. These guys are driving pro mod on a car on, on a street <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it's crazy and it's. You know, no prep, no, no, no track prep at all. They're just 4,000 horsepower. Let, let's see what happens. It'll, it'll put it to the ground. And they often do. It's very entertaining TV, for them. but it's dangerous. It's dangerous as all drag racing is. Um, but I have just rambled. <laughs> I was doing my, my, my goodbye message. And then I started talking. I, I went on a tangent. People that know me best know that. It will take me a little while to tell you a story because I might tell you a couple other stories in between the initial story. So anyway, with that being said, like I said, I'm authentic. I'm me all the time. And I'm happy that you're here with me for another season. 2022 is going to be a great year for drag racing, just a great year in general. Uh, So I'm really excited for what's to come. So with that being said, I thank you for taking your time to listen to me talk about drag racing. Uh, and uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.